You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you further. You step forward little by little, not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. Hello everyone and welcome to the Deeper Waters Podcast. I am Nick Peters, your host, seeking to bring you the best in Christian scholarship and apologetics. And today, well, today is the Saturday before Valentine's Day. A very important day if you are married or in a relationship. This day can be a deal breaker if you screw it up after all. And here on our show, we are very, very much pro-marriage, and we've seen that marriage is really under attack a lot today, and I think one of the best ways to defend marriage is not to be able to make a defense for man-woman marriage, but to live it out every day and live it well, and so that's why I try and devote some time to marriage enrichment on here. Now, when Ari and I lived in Tennessee, we decided we go to this church I found online called The Point. I was looking for a church I had good contemporary worship for her but was also intellectually in-depth for me. And I saw the pastor answering some questions. I didn't agree with every answer, but every answer was still a serious answer. I thought, this sounds like a place worth checking out. Ari and I went one Sunday. We never regret it. We ended our church hunting then and there. And the point became our church home. In fact, I... I've interviewed the, pa- the former pastor of a point. He's moved on to another church now, but I think it was last year I interviewed him, so you can go back to the archives and look for my interview with Matthew Peoples. But while we were there, there was a course I was taught about called the Marriage Moments Course, and it was a free class being offered. And Allie and I said, you know, we're always up to this kind of thing. Let's go to it. And the leaders were a couple named Les and Jan Greedy. And so we went there, and we went straight through the course. We got to meet some other couples. We loved it. It was a wonderful course. And this course was so good, the pastor said, if you have premarital counseling, just go to this course instead. We loved it so much, we went back a second time for the whole course again. By the time we returned the third time, the, the couple in charge said, you know, maybe we should make a couple a group just for couples who've been through this so they can connect together. And another group was born from this, the Couples Connections group. But this group, this couple, they, they know so much about marriage. And that's Les and Jan Greeby, and I've brought them here today to talk about this topic of marriage. So, Les and Jan, welcome to the Deeper Waters podcast. Thank you very much, Nick. It's a pleasure uh, being part of your uh, broadcast and also talking about marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason you all are so good at this is because you happen to have made so much out of just a really short time of being married, haven't you? How long has it been now? Well, actually, uh, March the 3rd, uh, next week, 
a week after next, we'll be married 55 years. Whew, 55. So, I guess that's older than you are, Nick, right? Yes, yes, indeed. About one and a half times older than I am, in fact. <laughs> what's, what's tough is I have a child bride, even though we're the same age. Or mm. she's a month younger than I am, but basically the same age. <laughs> hey, Nick, good to see you. <clears throat> good to have you here, Jen. Now, tell us all a little bit about you know, how you got to know each other and such, and how this all came together. Well, believe it or not, I first met Les when I was in first grade. Mm. And um, so we met there. I went to the public school four more years, and then I went to the Lutheran school. And so we were parted at that time, but I was in the band, and so I continued seeing him there. Mm. But do I remember her in the first grade? Probably not. That was just circumstances that uh, we started out that early. But when she came back to public school then, we were in high school together. Uh, we started dating about our uh, sophomore year and uh, dated through high school uh, we actually walked down the aisle when we graduated uh, together simply because our last name started with G. Uh, so it worked out that way, not that we were able to do that. So we uh, started our life knowing each other before we actually got married. Mm -hmm. Now, when did you get married? And we got married then March 3rd, 1962, and so we've been married 55 years, and uh, we've enjoyed every minute of it, and, and we're looking uh, forward to whatever God has for us. So that's hard to say when you, uh, you got 75. We were 19 when we got married. So it was pretty much right out of high school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Jan went off to college, and, and I stayed home, went to college, but then she come back the first semester and said she wasn't going back. And uh, that surprised me, but she didn't. And a year later, then we got married. And, and then a year after that, we had our first uh, boy, uh, had another boy after that, and then a girl. So we had three children in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And married at 19, my wife can say the exact same thing. I, I don't think I can say that same thing, though, but she can. Uh-huh. Well, that uh, isn't necessarily young today. It seems like uh, the generation today is getting married a little bit older than that. But, uh, uh, you know, I think starting marriage, uh, age doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is are you ready for the commitment? Right. Are you ready to be married? And uh, if you're ready to be married and enter it with the right approach, you can stay married for as long as you live thereafter. Mm -hmm. uh, how did marriage moments, as you as your course is called, come about? Well, actually, uh, that's that's a unique question in itself too to jump right to that because um, we come to Florida in January, February to get away from the cold in Tennessee and. And the first time we did that was our 50th anniversary, so it was five years ago. And uh, we come for two months, and Jan said to me, what are you going to do for two months? And I said, well, that's a good question, because I had just retired. And uh, so what was, what was I going to do? And I said, what, you know, why don't we, I, I, the devotions I was reading at that particular time, I thought, you know, this is a life story, these devotions. Why don't we tell our 
life story in devotions of our marriage of 50 mm-hmm. years. She said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it great having a supportive wife around? <laughs> yes, right. <clears throat> yeah, he just thought that would be a simple thing for us to sit down and do that. And I thought it would take a little more than that. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it worked out good as a couple simply because, uh, you know, I, I probably came up with the most of the thinking and the theory of the devotions, and she did all the checking, making sure the Bible verses were correct and making sure the spelling was correct, because that's how I got through high school was with her helping me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'd probably still be back in high school today. <laughs> and then you start teaching at the point, and now you do Marriage Moments Fair, and you still do Couples Connection? Yes, uh-huh. and uh, we do enjoy doing that. Uh, again, not because we've got the experience or, or because we wrote 50 devotions uh, that people can review and, and, and then ask questions, but that's where the couples really uh, gain from it is they ask questions. We leave it up to them. We don't lecture. We don't uh, uh, try to tell all our stories, but we want to hear their stories. Yeah, it sounds like you're going to be prepared for this interview because that's what we're going to be doing. I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. Okay. All right. Well, we'll give you some answers. We're not sure they're right, and we tell people at Marriage Moments we're not professionals. We're not trained. We're not uh, somebody that uh, just because we've experienced it can tell you the fact. Right. But we know what's kept us together, and, and that's the story that we want to get across 90% of the time. And I think we should start with what keeps us together. And one of the things you've said is commitment in this show already. And it seems like commitment is something that's really lacking in a lot of marriages today. Because I've told everyone since that, unless we're talking about the subject academically, we are never to use the D word around the house. It's not an option. But for too many couples, it is. And what do you think is entailed in a commitment exactly um what you just said about the d word i think is very very important i think that should never be part of the conversation for me part of it was the fact that my parents were divorced and i grew up in a broken home and i never wanted to have children go through that Mm -hmm. so to begin with i told Les he better know what he's doing because there would be none of the d word and um, but not only commitment to our vows that we made that day and commitment to each other but our commitment to God and without having him the third person in our marriage I don't think it would have worked mm-hmm. so Lessa, did you know what you were doing uh, yeah I knew what I was doing I uh, again we had the opportunity to date and, and separate she went off to college and and uh, and so, and so we knew that, uh, hey, this worked out. We, we had our fights. We had our problems. Uh, even after marriage, uh, you know, when you're one person, uh, it's pretty easy to make decisions and make life work. But then when you become two, then you have to reevaluate some of the things you're thinking about because it's not only always your way. And then when you have the third party, which is the necessary party, Christ involved in your relationship, 
then you have to do it his way because that's the way the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And, and so we understood that. And we understood uh, we had that love coming into our marriage. We had Christ coming into marriage. Uh, but again, I can tell you over 55 years, we had times when we weren't the three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing that you've shared in your marriage moments here is the importance of sharing everything. And this is something that was important for you as a man because, you know, real men don't share their emotions. We don't even really have emotions. And that that's just not something that you need to share. But you seem to disagree with that, don't you? Yeah, and and even more so myself, I... I use uh, the fact that I'm, my last name is German, mm-hmm. uh, that my descent is German, so, uh, you know, I don't have emotions. My dad didn't have emotions. He really didn't. I didn't know my grandfather that well, but who came over directly from Germany, but uh, I know my dad didn't have, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it took me a while to figure out what emotions were all about. Mm-hmm. And uh, emotions are part of marriage, too. There's going to be, uh, again, Good times and sad times, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we just uh, went through the saddest part of emotions here in the last several years when we lost our oldest son yeah. at fifty to cancer. That's uh, a very emotional thing. But there again, uh, if it hadn't been for the marriage and the strength of Christ, uh, those emotions would have probably uh, defeated our purpose of staying married and, and staying alive, you know. And Jan, what does it mean to you when Les shares emotions? Well, like he says, he doesn't do it very often. But um, I think he, I know he has a depth of feelings. And he does share his feeling of love for me in many, many ways and many times. So Sometimes I wonder if we're talking the same language when we actually talk emotions. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> but he has always let me know that he loves me and that he wants to be with me. We, uh, we participate a lot in mission trips to Peru over the last many years. And uh, one of the biggest challenges in Peru is uh, spousal abuse. And I just can't. I can't admit. I can't imagine that. I don't no, have no. emotions either way. That I'm overly affection or overly hatred. Uh, I I can't. I can't imagine beating my wife. No. You know, and uh, and if there's people, if there's couples that are listening, that that's the case. Uh, I, I should back up a little bit when we talked about the word divorce and, and how important it is that we weren't going to be divorced. Well, our oldest son was divorced, so we went through it. We know what divorce is all about. Uh, we also know that uh, the majority of the couples that joined us in connect, uh, connecting couples and also with the uh, first marriage moments had been divorced. And so right away, we looked at each other and said, how are we going to talk to these couples? Uh, we don't think that divorce is right. But on the other hand, we do understand that divorce sometimes happens when two people fall out of love. And so God doesn't look at that and say, okay, that's your biggest strike against you. There, It is a forgivable sin. Um, spousal abuse is a forgivable sin. But you have to ask for that forgiveness. you got to know 
that uh, not treating your spouse right or falling out of love is not the answer. The answer is searching out Christ and finding out what you can do to stay together and make it work. Okay, well, Jan, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit based on, because you're the one who actually made these entries in the Marriage Moments thing, where you talk about the role of a, a man being the head of a household in a marriage and the idea of wives submit to your husbands. Now, that's a pretty thorny issue. It's easy to understand why a husband would defend that position, but why would a wife defend that position? Do you want a boss ruling over you? Well, <clears throat> there was one, t- one time in our marriage that I remember that um, actually I went and had my ears pierced. And Les had never told me that he didn't like women to have their ears pierced, so Mm -hmm. I just went and did it, and I came home, and he was really upset with me. And I remember telling him that I didn't marry him to have a boss. Mm -hmm. And uh, as as I searched the scriptures more and read the things concerning that, what it really means in scriptures is that... um, God, the man is the head of the woman as Christ is the head of the church. And the, and Christ laid his life down for the church. So if my husband loves me like Christ loves the church, then I don't have to be concerned about him being the decision maker over me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Les, so, uh, you know, here she is saying that... Uh, She's willing to submit to you and such. So, I mean, that means you can pretty much do whatever you want, right? Well, uh, I kind of, you know, we've talked about it at length, and, and that always comes up in marriage moments uh, because uh, women and men both want to know, what does that mean? What did they mean, you know? Well, there's a lot of things in Scripture that you can make it read into the way you think you want it to read. And I could say, well, hey, I'm the head of the household. That's what scripture says. So you've got to do what I say. But I know that's not right because that's not a marriage of three. Uh, and, and, and that's where the three come in. If I have a decision to make that she doesn't like or vice versa, then we can go to the third party and let the third party help us make that decision. And then when we discuss it or come out with the final answer, we can't say, well, Christ was wrong, or I was right, or you were right. There isn't no one right person in a marriage, especially if you honor Christ in your marriage. You know, I've said a few things for better. If a man believes he is the king of his castle, his wife deserves to be treated like a queen. And that if a man is leading right, he should never have to pull out the scripture, wives submit to your husbands. He should never have to use that as a weapon. Right. And and life in general. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to pull out scripture to dominate the other person for one reason or the other. Mm-hmm. And, and and that that happens in church quite often. That's the reason a lot of people leave a church is mm-hmm. because some church says, well, now, wait a minute. This is the way it's going to be here because this is what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one thing that you I haven't said in this interview to this point, but we'll say it several times, and that is we have agreed to disagree. 
Mm-hmm. I think couples need to listen to that and think about, agree to disagree. In other words, it doesn't mean that we're always going to agree with each other. But if we agree to disagree, then we can move on and stay in love. Mm-hmm. Jan, do you have something you'd like to add to that? No, I really do agree. <laughs> I do agree with that, whether it's because he said it so many times or no, um, because we won't always agree on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's matter of the children or the grandchildren or whatever that we may be on opposite sides of a certain issue, but rather than let that issue be a real problem in our marriage, we have to agree to disagree on that particular thing. Now, one of the things you've also talked about in here is how much these kinds of things take time. I'm thinking immediately of a, how Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias was in seminary sitting next to one of his classmates once when a professor was giving a talk in the middle. He said, marriage is hard work. And Ravi turned to his classmate and said, did you hear that? He says, yeah, I heard that. You know, I don't really like that. Well, why don't you say, why don't you say something? He said, okay, I think I will. And so he raises his hand and talks to prophet talk to the professor and the professor says, Zacharias? And he says, yes, I just want to say, I just heard you say uh, marriage is hard work and I don't really agree with that. Are you married, Zacharias? No. Sit down <laughs> and shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he said, about a year later, after he was married for a year, I should say, he realized the professor knew what he was talking about. So tell us, is marriage really hard work? Well, I don't know how you definition, your definition of hard is, but mm-hmm. it does take work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have to be mindful of the other person. You've got to be mindful of your joint goals and dreams and objectives. And um, <clears throat> you can't just each live separate lives and then expect to have a united front when it comes to anything else. Mm-hmm. So, I think what... Uh and again, I don't know if the word hard is correct, but uh, challenging more than ever because, again, going back to the fact that I was once one and then I married and uh, it was a few years later, now there's three of us and then there's four of us, then there's five of us and then the grandchildren come along and there was 17 of us with great-grandchildren. We're going to reach over 20. Now, how can I say that life is easier than when it was just me. Mm-hmm. Because all these people want to, especially mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, they want to come to us and say, hey, boy, we've got a problem. Listen to us, you know, and we're supposed to have the answers. Right. Now, I think that I'm the one that has the answer all the time. Jan reminds me that I can't fix everything. And that's what you got to look at in marriage. You can't fix everything, so you got to turn to Christ. And in a family, you can't fix everything, so you got to you got to turn to people you love to help fix those things, or at least be part of those with you. Mm-hmm. Like death of a son, then you can cry together, weep together, talk about it, enjoy the time that we had with him for fifty-one years. But understand that it's not going to separate us 
because nothing we did or nothing he did, it was just life, period. Mm -hmm. And everybody's going to have situations in life that you need somebody to cling to. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times some people get caught up in the emotion of love and a kind of honeymoon experience. They think that that sensation is supposed to last forever. And then when it fades, like, well, maybe we really just don't love each other and they decide to give up then. And do you think that happens to a lot of couples? I think it does happen to a lot of couples, but I don't think it has to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually reading an article today about Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth, mm-hmm. who has been dead now 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he was saying how they just kept loving each other more and more as the time went on. Mm -hmm. And it really can be that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. When we lived in Charlotte, there was a time we did go to the Barry Graham Library together. And I remember going to the grave of Ruth Bear Graham there. And Ari was talking to me. Later on, said, uh, geez, you uh, seem pretty depressed while you were there. What's going on? I said, I, mean, I just saw that tombstone. I thought, what would it mean to me if that was you there instead? Mm-hmm. But you can tell when people are losing it and going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because we listen for that, but. The big thing, Nick, that, that we again bring up in marriage moments is watch the words that you use with each other. Mm-hmm. It's not I and mine or my car, but it's our car. You know, it may be the one I drive the most, but it's still our car. And it's not my house, it's our house. And it's not my anything. When you marry, you agree that it should be the two of you. So you should talk that way. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start talking about my job <clears throat> and my way I do things, and I can go out with the guys if I want to, you lead your life and I'll lead mine, then you're on the road to separate mm-hmm. because you forgot the fact that you are a we couple and not a me couple. Mm-hmm. And with that we, you've talked so much about God playing such a major role in a marriage. How exactly does this work? Well, we is, is, is just that. You know, when we talk about we, we talk about three. There's three mm-hmm. people in our lives, and, and we know this. And we know that Christ does not want us to divorce. Christ does not want us to go separate directions. He doesn't want us to find other people in life or other things in life that are more important. Mm -hmm. We believe that he brought us together, whether it was in first grade or whether it was in high school or whether it was the day that we said our vows. It doesn't make any difference. He was there uh, in our life. Now, can a Christian and a non-Christian marry and one or the other change the other one? That's a question we get a lot during marriage once is awesome. What do you think, honey? I think it's very hard to, well, we, first of all, we cannot change anyone. Um, Maybe through the power of God, through seeing him work through the partner that is the Christian and does love God. 
the non-Christian may see something that they want to have and know that the only way they can have that is if they give their life to the Lord. Um, when we talk about God being a part of our marriage, um, you know, we attend church all the time, not because we have to, but because we want to. Mm-hmm. We want to be there. We have most of our friends are from church. Um, most of the people that that we are with on a daily basis or weekly or whatever, most of them are also Christian people. And the reason that is important is because they hopefully have the same feelings about marriage and and keeping it going as we do. And it helps to have people around you like that. That doesn't mean we don't ever associate with anyone that's a Christian, but in order to keep our marriage um, going and pure, it really is important to be around other Christian couples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. In fact, one of the things I've found so amazing after we got married before too long, it wasn't that, oh, honey, one of uh, my friends from school was coming over today. It was, we weren't hanging out with other individuals so much as we were hanging out with other couples right. all of a sudden. I don't know how that happened, but that's the way it did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we can, uh, we can always look for and should look for the disconnected when it comes to Christ. There are people that, uh, for whatever reason, fell away from Christ. Mm-hmm. And could become could come back to Christ and be a very very stout strong Christian. Likewise, married couples that fall away from each other can come back together. And you say, well, how can that be? If they fall out of love, isn't that the most important thing? Well, it's back again to explain what love is. Mm-hmm. Uh, love is an affection that we have for each other because even though we don't like all the same things we don't after 55 years i guarantee you we don't like all the same things mm-hmm. and we don't have to uh, but it doesn't mean that we can't like something different but yet, yet still like each other because mm-hmm. again uh, marriage in itself says stay together yeah. and you've got to you got to want to be together so find ways to do that. Find ways to do that for other couples. And if other couples and other people are tearing you down and tearing marriage down, then if you can't handle it and you can't change them, move on. Don't don't right. spend time with them. Yeah. Now, um, one of the great blessings of marriage that comes in, I can't say I and I have this yet, is also can sometimes be one of the great threats to a marriage, and that's when children come along. And one of the reasons I can think it can be a great threat to people is that, unfortunately, many marriages at that point come to be focused on the children instead of a marriage itself. And do you all think that's a problem? It can be a problem, yes. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely is a problem in many cases simply because... Mm-hmm. We think, especially the wife's role as a mother, uh, she wants to give that attention to that child, and and uh, a child takes it, especially at the beginning age, takes 100 percent of your attention. Mm-hmm. So, how do you uh, how do you get away from that? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, 
you know, we did put the kids to bed at a certain time. And when they went to bed, it didn't mean that we couldn't go to bed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we haven't talked about sex yet, but we do talk about yeah. that and marriage moments. We were. And, and, <laughs> I, and I'll just touch on that by saying, hey, uh, if you can't have intimacy with your spouse just because a child had come along, for instance, because a child's sleeping with you, no. Uh, our children never slept with us. You know, that wasn't an option. They had their own bedroom, and uh, they were their own person and should have been. Uh, did children go with us everywhere we went? No. We had date nights mm -hmm. that we got babysitters. And as the children grew up, did they always go with us on vacation? No. We took separate vacations. We took our children to do things, but we took vacations with just the two of us, too, mm -hmm. so that we could ta have time to practice and to mature that relationship that we had for each other. Jan, you're the mother here. I mean, it's so tempting, I'm sure, for a mother to just want to focus so much on their children, make sure everything is just perfect for little angels, and neglect their husbands, unfortunately. H how do you deal with that? I don't know. Um exactly how we got to the point that we did. I can't remember us ever sitting down and saying, you know, we have to have this time together or, or whatever. Um, in my mind, you know, Les was always an important part, a very important part mm -hmm. of the relationship with me. And um, I didn't try to put him, I, I put the children ahead of him. Um, I'm not really sure how to answer him beyond that, Nick. Likewise, Nick, I did a lot of traveling uh, when I was in business and, uh, and when the kids were young. And, and when I was gone, uh, when I came home, uh, you know, if, if Jan had told them something that they were to be doing or not doing or corrected mm -hmm. them some way, I supported that. I never... Uh, went in and said, well, no, you don't have to listen to mom or this is the way I think because it didn't make a difference how I thought. We agreed to disagree. When I was gone, she disciplined the kids and that's the way it was. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to tell her any different or tell the kids any different. Uh, I've also heard that it's important that you actually gross out your children from time to time since I've don't be afraid to show affection to each other in front of the children because the children need to see what a loving marriage is like. That's very true. That's very true. They do need to see that. We are an example to them as to what they're going to do in, later in their lives. And uh, our, I think our children always knew beyond a doubt that Les and I really loved one another. And it, one of the most important things you can do for your children is to love your spouse. And uh, because if you aren't united with him, then there's going to be problems in the whole family. And Les, I'm guessing you had no problem with Jen showing affection in front of the children at all, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Right. No, seriously, uh, again, what is affection? Uh, I think you can carry it too far in front of Oh, yeah. Uh, because they need to be educated as well as not. But 
but when, when you asked some of these questions and Jan was answering, she, she said, you know, I don't know how we, uh, how we come up with that. And I don't either. I don't, we never, early in our marriage, we hmm. didn't take any uh, marriage counseling or marriage courses. But later in our marriage, we did quite a bit of it. Uh, you know, anything that you hear me quote or say, agree to disagree or whatever, is not original. Mm. It all came from somebody else in some marriage weekend or marriage book or marriage tapes that we listen to. Mm. Because there is good advice out there. There is good people that are very, very interested in helping you keep your marriage together. So if you're having problems, mm-hmm. get help. It's just like anything. Mm-hmm. If you have a physical problem, you get help with the doctor. You know, it, you just you just need to look at your marriage and say, hey, this is worth every nickel that I can invest in time and money to make sure it's the best marriage that I could possibly have. Now, there are three things that are said to be the things that couples fight over the most in a marriage and right now we're going to tackle one of them money money is a constant source of friction and i think usually it's that way when one person is someone who wants to save and the other is someone who generally wants to spend so um does that dynamic exist in your relationship is one of you a saver and one of you a spender and how do you deal with money issues well, we didn't have a, a major division issue there, but but again, uh, it was always our money. It wasn't so many couples today. Both of them have to work, mm-hmm. and and I understand that, and that puts division in marriage a lot of different ways. Number one, time apart. Number two, around other people that may tell you different than what you want to hear about your marriage. And number three, it's my money and his money. It's not Mm. our money. Mm. And so many couples even have separate bank accounts, which I think is completely wrong. I don't Mm. care if you both work. You both should pull your money together in one account, our account, and pay your bills out of your money, out out of our money, not one count or the other. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say to the situation of a marriage where you have one person who's a saver and one who's a spender? What piece of advice would you give to both? Well, I think you can agree to disagree again. Mm-hmm. There's times when you're going to let the spender spend some money, and mm-hmm. there's times when you're going to have to say to the saver, hey, you, you, you know, what you're saying makes sense. We can't just spend more than we take in. So it really comes down to a budget. Now, mm-hmm. I was always a budgeter, and, and and the first of the year was always the joke in the family, if you want to call it a joke. You know, it was serious because I did the budget, but it was always a joke with Jan to say, okay, I got to start worrying about spending now for a while. Yeah, because for a while I'd watch the budget real close and then I'd slack off. You know? right. but, uh, but there needs to be some continuity between the two of you that will help balance your spending. Mm-hmm. There's only one thing that you can absolutely depend on. You can't spend more than you take in. Mm-hmm. 
And if you any either one of you try to do that, you're wrong. It's mm -hmm. not a matter of marriage or what one is a spender and the other one's a thriver, uh, more thrift. But your marriage can't exist. Life can't exist if you spend more than you take in. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people have realized something about me. And I've told this campaign to Al that if our ship ever came in and we just had a lot of money and it wasn't really an issue, I'd say, honey, I would be very much a spender because you would be spoiled rotten because I would be doing everything I can because... I've got so much of what I already want. I would just love to start buying you things. I would love to take you on my trip to Japan you've always wanted to go to. <laughs> right. Right. And and so you, you work together on those things. And, and Jan and I have been very blessed with with finances. So we, we, well, we've had hard times and we've had really close moments that we couldn't afford what we thought we wanted to afford. But the majority of the things we did afford, we afforded because we both wanted to do it. We travel mm -hmm. a lot, which means that the two of us, we never we never travel separate. So I'm not going to take some a lavish trip off somewhere. We took a lavish trip on our 35th wedding anniversary, but we were together. And it was the first time in our lifetime that we went together, went away together for 35 days, for five weeks, and never seen our family or only talked to them a few times. Believe mm -hmm. you me, after 35 years, you think you know your wife until you take her away for five weeks straight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, we thought you didn't speak of your family at times. So I've told couples who are engaged and getting married, this is what Ari and I did, and when my friends recently got married, he did the same thing based on my advice. I said, look, go on your honeymoon. Here's my recommendation to you. No Facebook. No email. You can put up pictures of a wedding and everything else later. You start doing other things. You're inviting other people into the, into the honeymoon. You don't need to do that. Tell both of your parents, we're going to be gone for a week, two weeks, however long it is. Please, unless it is an emergency, do not contact us. And for those in my field who are very academic, I said, don't bring any book with you except your Bible. That's it. Just spend your honeymoon focusing on your spouse. And vacations thereafter. Right. Because you can always be on a honeymoon. Mm -hmm. And uh, seriously, there's got to be time when you take your wife every year on a honeymoon. When you can afford only an hour, a day, a night or a week or a month, you still need to make sure that you leave that spouse know that this is a honeymoon, this is mm. special. Now, you also said that uh, you start planning in advance to do something very nice every five years. Is that right? Yeah. Actually, I'm a goal setter from business. Uh, for years and years in business, I spent uh, time getting away and, and focusing on the seven areas of life and setting goals in all seven areas. And the first three, the most important is faith, family, and future. Mm -hmm. Faith being first. And then you got to plan your faith. You got to mm -hmm. work your faith. Uh, same way with your family, your marriage. You got to plan your marriage. You got to work your marriage. And the same way with your job, your future, mm -hmm. and so many other things. But those three things, uh, you need to figure out how to balance them 
so that you're not in church too much or at work too much or even in your family too much and ignore other things. Mm-hmm. Now, so we broke down uh, actually on our 20th anniversary, long story short, uh, it was on our 20th anniversary, we decided to do something special on our 25th anniversary. And we wrote it down on a napkin on our 20th anniversary, ended up putting it up on the board that we were going to buy a, a 380 SL Mercedes convertible on our 25th anniversary and pay cash for it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're familiar with the SL, it's an expensive car, and how could we afford to pay cash for it? It was because we knew five years in advance that we wanted to do that. So we started saving money instead of paying for it after the fact, we paid for it ahead of the fact. Mm-hmm. Just so happens we were able to purchase, we didn't purchase the Mercedes, we purchased the Corvette on our 20th, 25th anniversary. But to even give you the one quickly, the, the more special one was our 35th. We planned our 30th, 35th, 40th, and so forth. On our 35th, on our 30th, we were talking about it, and Jan says, well, let's go away for 35 days. I laughed. I said, sure. How am I going to get off of work for five weeks? you got to be kidding me. And we talked about it, and we thought, boy, wouldn't that be special? We've never been to Australia. We want to go to Australia. That takes extra time. And we did put that together. We put it together in black and white and said on our 35th anniversary, we want to take a 35-day vacation. It just so happens in that time, I retired from the major company that I was with and went in business for myself. So when it come to our 35th anniversary, we were able to do just that. Now, I'm not blowing or tooting our horn on the 35th and what we did. What I am doing is saying you can plan ahead and accomplish anything that you work together. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything planned for the 55th coming up? Yes, that's where we're at right now. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we're on our 55th right now, and we're going. We're in Florida right now. We're going to uh, uh, to uh, Daytona Beach, uh, and we'll be there on our 55th. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm going to present Jan with a 55th anniversary present that she has no idea what it's going to be, and she's going to be very surprised. And that's all I'm going to say because she's sitting right here and she's going to start questioning me now because I've not said that to this point. But I can tell you after March the 3rd that she will have been very surprised on our 55th. And by accomplishing that, we accomplished it together with what's coming up and not, not I'm doing for her what she's doing for me. It's what we do together and, and that's important. Well, I hope you'll get in touch with me afterwards and let me know what it was, because I'm curious right now, too. I will. Now, you also talk about attitude being extremely important. Now, of course, no one wants to have this fake la-di-da, whatever happens attitude would be all right. At the same time, you don't want to come in with a negative doom and gloom attitude. What kind of attitude should you have for marriage? it's going to work and that you're going to do what you have to to make it work Mm -hmm. Um, 
attitude is is everything with me and it has been for years and and we don't have another two hours to talk so i won't get started but i will say this attitude is a decision you make and you can decide whether you're going to be positive or negative about anything and everything especially about your marriage Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to make that decision. It isn't up to other people. It is part of our life to have Christ part of it, but that's a decision and an attitude we decided on a long time ago. And so when we need that help to have that good attitude, we go to the attitude person. We go mm-hmm. to the person that says everything's going to be great. Even though some people read the Bible and say it's a book of don'ts, I think there's more do's in the Bible than there is don'ts. And if you do the do's, you don't have time to do the don'ts. So Mm -hmm. follow the do's of what the Bible says, and you will have a good attitude and a good life. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who who thinks we just have a hard time having a positive attitude about anything? I think they need to get help. And Mm -hmm. the help to me was listening to audio tapes. Mm -hmm. I'll give you one of my men. He's not... Real noted today, Zig Ziglar, but Zig was, I could always get pepped up when I listened to Zig because he was a positive attitude person. He was positive about marriage, about work, about everything. And and uh, so if I need a little shot in the arm, I listen to Zig. If you if you need a shot in the arm, you need to go to the Bible or to Devotions Daily and, and listen to a devotion, read a devotion, uh, follow a devotion that's going to get you excited about your life with Christ. And move with that, move in that direction. Well, Jan, this has talked an awful lot about attitude. Do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Um, <clears throat> I think that that was something that was a little bit hard for me because I was I was brought up in a home where everything was pretty negative, and um, I was told I wasn't worth anything. I'd never, you know, be able to accomplish anything. And um, so he had to work with me for a while to help me see the the good side of things instead of just the bad. And I do know what it did to me as a child growing up that way, so I certainly didn't want to be that way with our children. And the more, again, with the Bible studies that I have been through and everything, um, you know, happiness is a choice. You can either choose to be happy or you can choose to be ungrateful and sad and miserable and when you're like that you spread that around to everyone and that doesn't help your marriage or your home or even yourself so God has a lot to say about that too that we are to be cheerful that we are to be loving that we're to be caring and uh, that kind of an attitude really does add to a marriage and make it go much better Yeah, a lot of times I think people are looking to say, well, that's easy to say sometimes, but if if you knew my circumstances, you would understand it's really hard to be positive. And what would you say to that kind of thing? Well, if I know your circumstances, I have the same problems, except you accentuate yours and I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you say, well, no, wait a minute, that's too easy. Uh, you say, well, you've got problems too. Yeah, I just recently lost a son. I don't know how how you can have a bigger problem than that. But, but uh, you know, his faith was so strong 
right to the end after fighting cancer for five, five years that I was embarrassed to, to have a negative attitude because mm-hmm. he had such a positive attitude because of his faith. So, you know, I just, I can't help but say, and I'm not saying that we're the answer, we're not, uh, but I think we've talked positive about marriage during this conversation. And so you can choose to listen to people that are talking positive or you can choose to listen to people who are talking negative. We don't listen to much TV when it comes to news because we can't stand the negative news that's happening on television today. Mm-hmm. We don't listen to negative programs. We turn off the programs that down marriage and are talking about homosexuality and, and how you should have a male partner or a female partner. It's okay in life today. No, it's not okay. You know, we don't have to. Uh, associate with that, we can move on and and uh, do things that is going to support our marriage, not tear our marriage down. Yeah, we're about to get to that kind of thing soon here, but um, Jen, you've talked a lot about the loss of your son here. How is it that you can maintain a good attitude even when that has happened? Because we know where he's at. Uh, you know, and, and again, if, if, if you're if you're in with Christ and you have a marriage with Christ, then you approach. A few years ago, when he was fighting cancer, so uh, you just got to be there and have faith. Fact is, that's one of the statements, and I'll let Jan comment on that. But that's one of the statements that. Mike made when he was addressing a church, and the church asked him, would you, would you talk about your cancer? And he ended up with saying, you either have faith or you don't. Hey, that's right. Mm-hmm. You either have faith or you don't. You either love your spouse or you don't. Do the things that show love. Do the things that show your faith. Count mm-hmm. on it. It's, it's there for you. Faith comes through when you can't come through. Jan, what do you want to add to that? This has been an experience, of course, that I hoped I would never have to have and would not wish on anyone else. Um, I'm much more emotional about it than Les is, and I have days that I am not very happy. And um, I know that Mike's with the Lord, and I'm happy about that, but that also means he's not here. So um, I hope that I am learning through all of this to be more helpful to other people who lose a child, because unless you've been there, you don't you can't understand what you're going through. And the cliches that people say, um, aren't really comforting. Mm -hmm. So um, I hope that I am able to help other people by letting them know that I know what they're going through and helping to tell people who are trying to deal with someone that has lost a child, um, you don't have to say anything. You just need to be there and give them a hug, let them know that you care, cry with them, but um, try not to make cliches that really is only going to make them feel worse instead of better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis Prager said years ago that uh, 
he did a study of couples that had undergone divorce when a tragedy such as the death of a child struck them, or couples that now have had, had undergone divorce but that went through these tragedies. A lot of them did get divorced, and he said if there was something that kept a couple together, it was that they understood before the tragedy happened the place that evil really plays in their world. That they, they had a worldview that they could understand evil in that sense, so they were ready when it came. Oh. Well, and, and you know, it was surprising enough we could go through uh, this amount of time in a very short time, and, and there's a lot of other things maybe we'd like to talk about and, mm. and get to, but I know we're coming close to the end. But one thing that we want to say is is uh, we we are going to leave you with our email address and and phone number and you know feel free to call us and 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 call and and email us and and ask us any questions. We're next, we don't mind sharing. And one thing that we just recently saw the movie Collateral Beauty. And uh, if, if anybody has lost a child, you need to go see that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, Will Smith lost a seven-year-old child in the movie. I won't tell you the movie because it was surprising at the end, but it was very instrumental in knowing how important it is that you find your way back to Christ to take care of any problem that you have, even losing a seven-year-old child. Mm -hmm. So marriage, marriage is good. Marriage is important. Marriage is phenomenal. All you got to do is want to make it that way. Well, you know, we're actually really not as close to the end as you think. We're more about halfway through here right now, so there's still some time. But, I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say early that this week, you're listening to the Deeper Waters podcast. I'm Nick Peters, your host. I got Les and Jan Greeby here talking about marriage moments. They've been married for nearly 55 years. You'll be 55 next month. But if you're here next week, and I hope you are, if you know your church history, Constantine is usually seen as a great bad boy in church history. That everything that is wrong in the church is because of Constantine. Maybe Constantine gets a bad rap. He might not have done everything right, but he probably didn't do everything wrong. Next week, I'm going to have Peter Lightheart as my guest. We're going to be talking about his book, Defending Constantine. Well, now let's get back to SNJ uh, and... Uh, now, the other thing that couples fight about so much, and this is one that every guy in the audience now is going to say, finally, we're getting to the good stuff. And that's the marriage bed here. Now, let's uh, start with something about the marriage bed is to be honored. You've got a little statement here that there are many people who want to uh, you know, live together before they get married and test Test things out. See how they work together. What do you think about that idea? Well, that's uh, that's a good one because we did have to, uh, not have to, wrong choice of words. We we, we did uh, put in our devotions a section on marriage beds. Now, we called it marriage bed uh, to keep away from the sex work <laughs> and uh, not to embarrass couples because, you know, a lot of couples are somewhat embarrassed to talk about it. But, mm. but it doesn't seem like they're too embarrassed today to live together before marriage. And, uh, you know, again, we were blessed in the, the days, I was going to say our culture then didn't really support living with somebody before you married them, even though that did happen. We did have uh, my best friend in, 
in high school, got a got his girlfriend pregnant. So, you know, it did happen. It wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't around, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. It seems today like if you fall in love the first date, you go to bed together the first date. Mm-hmm. And then you decide to live together to see if you want to get married. And uh, that's not the way it was set up. And we were blessed to not to live together or have sex together before marriage. And our wedding night was the most beautiful night that we've ever experienced in our 55 years. Mm-hmm. Because it was, it was new to us. It was the first. It was uh, something that uh, we looked forward to. Uh, we agreed. Uh, Jan agreed more than I did. Uh, I'm not going to have. I'm going to have to tell you. She's looking at me, you know, going, "What are you going to tell him?" Well, you know, I was that young guy too, the one to play around. But that didn't happen. She, she made me two commitments before we got married. And number one was we're not going to have sex before marriage. And number two was once we get married, we're going to stay married forever, mm-hmm. no matter how much. We did or did not like sex. Mm. And our marriage bed has always been good. And I can say in all sincerity, after 50, 55 years, it just gets better. Mm. And couples think uh, that can't be, you know, love and sex and that romantic evening you have and that romantic time you have together is few and far between. No, it should be every opportunity you have to have that romantic evening, you need to have it. You need to do it. Well, Jan, that's awfully easy, it seems to me. Of course, every guy is going to say that, you know, every opportunity, you need to do it. And this is so so important. Things get better and better with time. But a lot of women can have a different opinion. Do you have a different opinion? No, I really don't. Um, I can't say that I am always as ready for it as Les is, but um, we do have a good, you know, sex life. We do, mm-hmm. and we are old, and we still do. So, yeah. uh, I think people really uh, harm themselves when they are jumping in bed with someone they barely know, Um, it diminishes what I meant for sex to be all about. And in my experience, um, my mother had to get married. She got pregnant at 15 and got married and was divorced. And even this best friend that Jeff, that last mentioned, they got a divorce. And so going having sex before marriage didn't seem to be the answer because they finally ended up hearted. So um, it just, it's supposed to be special. God made it to be special. And it just loses that when you've had sex with several people before you ever married or whatever. And the thing about you have to try it out before you take it on permanently. I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. And that just gives people a false um, idea of what it is to be together because they know that as long as they're just living together, they can 
go their separate ways anytime. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it just does so much more harm than it does. And I don't know how we convince the generation today to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the way I felt about it. I think one thing that convinces them that it's okay is TV again mm-hmm. uh, and movies and and life in general. Uh, we're we're so flippant with uh, everything that we can do or don't do, and so I'm going to bring in a word, another word that hasn't come up yet, but is accountability. Mm-hmm. And accountability is something that you take on when you take on marriage. Accountability is to love that person with all all your heart and all your love. And that means after you're married, not before. Mm-hmm. And that means if, you, if I'm going to be accountable to you, I'm going to be accountable to you and you only, not to four other five other women that I tried out before I married you. Mm-hmm. What role do you think sex plays in a marriage? It plays a very important role uh, because uh, things come up in your marriage that you have to be accountable for together. Number one, like marriage money, when mm-hmm. it comes to borrowing money, you both are accountable for that. You make a loan for a house and you become accountable for that. And so therefore you got to agree together that you're gonna make those house payments when it comes due. When you get pregnant, you are accountable to bring that child into this world and to raise that child. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, it's, it's, it's okay if you, if, if you abort it. I, you know, I can't agree with that. I mean, and, and it's not a matter of uh, Christian or non-Christian. It's a matter of pure common sense. If you make an agreement to do something, you've got to follow through with that agreement. And you agree to bring that child into the world. You agree to make that house payment. You agree to do the things that you need to do in life to make your life work. And marriage is one of the big ones. Yeah. You know, Jan, there are a lot of women up there who would say, you know, my husband should really be focused on all these things that I need. I've been staying at home. I've been taking care of these kids all day and such. I just don't really have the time just to jump into bed, and I'm not feeling romantic, and he needs to learn to control his desires because I'm just not in the mood. I mean, what can I, what do you think about that? Well, I think sometimes that may be a very good um, feeling that she has, and sometimes the husband has to be considerate of that, but she also has to remember that... Um, she should be glad that her husband wants her that way and that he's not out looking for it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it is a possibility if she's like that too much, there's lots of other women that would be happy to jump into bed with him. Mm-hmm. Jen, do you think it, that the results are ultimately positive for keeping the hubby happy there? Yeah, I think it is very definitely um, a positive thing for your marriage to mm-hmm. do that, to, you know, have that be a priority. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's there are a lot of women out there who see us men and think that when it comes to sex, all we men want is just that physical release, and that's it. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, hey, I, I, I don't know if you asked Jan or asked me, but I'm going to yeah. answer. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, sure, I think men are probably more uh, fixed that way than not. But uh, but at the same time, we we have to be understanding and, and reasonable to uh, know that it's two and not just one. It's not just me and what I want. It's her and what she wants. When we agree together and get together under agreement, it's a whole lot better and a whole lot nicer than it is if one party disagrees. Now, have we ever had a relationship when I was happy and she wasn't happy? Yeah, I'm sure we have. And uh, But, hey, we, we still got to uh, work towards those times. And, you know, one thing that we did a lot and Jan did for me, and that was uh, candlelight dinners and, mm -hmm. and times when, when it was set up, whether the kids were home or not at home, you know, I could tell there's was times that were set up and there was times that wasn't a good idea. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of go along with that, but, uh, when it was set up or if I set it up, uh, she needed to go along with the fact that, Hey, uh, let's, let's take advantage of this, uh, for both of us and make it happen. You know, I think it's so good that you mentioned the thing about uh, candlelight dinners and such, because I do think a lot of guys, unfortunately, have made the mistake of coming home from work, putting their feet up, watching TV, expecting their wife to get them dinner, and not doing anything for them, and then suddenly they seem surprised my wife isn't going to be romantic that evening. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it happens, and, and I'm sure that both parties, either direction, uh, can be wrong or right, but what you do need to look for is not how to find how many times your partner can be wrong, mm -hmm. but how many times the two of you can make it right. Mm -hmm. And 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 there can be and should be uh, times when it's right. Now, again, in marriage moments, we talked to couples, and and we knew that we were sitting there talking to couples that haven't had. A relationship for months or even years and you and you wonder how can that relationship survive the way we're talking when we say it's very very important to a marriage mm -hmm. well I know some marriages that I know that that it hasn't been important so I'm not gonna preach to that person that that's the only thing that makes a marriage work it's mm -hmm. not it's one thing of many things. And if you have all these things put together and they all work, then you have a great marriage. Mm -hmm. If you don't make them all work, you may still be married, but you may not just have a great marriage. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to say also, because you've said already it gets better and better. There are a lot of people who also say, you know, you're with the same person every single time. I mean, doesn't that get boring? Don't you need some variety? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've never looked at it that way. Anyway, 
the fact that I had to have variety. Uh, I think what it what it does uh, what it does say in, in with society today. Society says that you should do a lot of different things. You should change change jobs more frequent. Uh, kids don't keep jobs very long today. And I think part of the reason is because they just think there's always something better out there. And if you're always thinking there's something better out there, then your marriage isn't going to work, your job's not going to work, your children's not going to work, your vacations aren't going to work because you always think, well, I can always, well, look, if they just took a cruise and we've never been on a cruise, that's got to be the special way of doing things. Well, it just can't be that way. You just mm-hmm. got to. You got to be happy with what you got. Yeah, I know and, some. Go ahead. Yeah, and and really, we have come to that conclusion in our later years in life together. That stuff isn't important to us anymore. You know what? What's more important to us is relationships than stuff. Mm-hmm. We've always had stuff, but we ten years ago we downsized in house. To more than fifty percent less house, we downsized in cars to one car. Whenever when our own kids told us you can't get along with just one car, and and we downsized with stuff. We gave away stuff. We were blessed to own a lot of good stuff that we we've given away. We've given to grandchildren and children, and and it's just it's not important. It's more important that we could spend time together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we talk about this, it makes me think better. I mean, you are known Ari and I for quite a while together. And yes, we waited until our wedding night together. She's the only woman I've ever been with intimately. And I'm the only man she's ever been with. And one thing she can say to me sometimes is, you know, you don't have anyone to compare me with. And I said, that's right. You are uncomparable to anyone else. I don't need to know how anyone else is just because I know that things are awesome with you. Back to that word commitment. I mean, what does commitment mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know, commitment means that I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns with what I said I was going to do. I'm going to commit to it. And when you commit to a person, when you commit to a child, when you commit to a, a house, making a house payment, when you commit to making a car payment, uh, when you commit to the the littlest things, you gotta you gotta hold to that commitment. I think you know me well enough, also Nick, that in meetings and or uh, getting together with couples or whatever. When I committed to being there at a certain time, I was there. Mm-hmm. We were there because it wasn't it wasn't the fact that well if we're half hour late so what? No, we committed to seven o'clock. So we were there at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you also asked me about the importance of the whole idea of conjugal rights and such. And you know, I think that one of the most revealing moments I think we've had before was we talked to a therapist once who said, you know, if there weren't any issues, you just take a sheet of paper and write down how many times a week you think you would say, okay, this is a realistic time that we'd like to set for how often we're going to have sex together. We each wrote down, we covered it up, and then she said to us, now share your sheet of paper with each other. 
And we did that, and we had each written the exact same number down. And that was a very eye-opening moment for us. And I, I think it is important. We have this conjugal rights, and usually it's more important for the man, because the man's usually the more a go-getter, and wife's in it. Yeah, I'm not sure. We were just on a cruise, and they paid the marriage game where they took three couples up there and asked them questions. And one couple had been married only one year, uh, and not even one year. No, they were just married, just married. five days. Yeah. They had dated just for one year. And uh, the middle couple had been married like for 15, 16 years, and the older couple had been married like 65 years. I mean, it was un unreal. The couple that was married the shortest period of time was the one that got the most questions right. Mm. And I and it just happened to be, I don't think you can play a marriage game, so to speak, and uh, put much, much validity into the game because it is a game. But the more you know about your spouse, the more time you spend together, private time, personal time, the more happy your marriage is going to be. Mm -hmm. So you got to work with that. It's back to work again, and you got to commit to do that. I commit uh, I commit more time to her today than I ever have. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm retired from my work, but why not? Mm -hmm. Now, that's a look even more at this here, because one of the things you've uh, Gotten here is Adam told God, This is what I've been waiting for when he saw Eve. And that's you describe that as your as a verse that is your personal verse right there. And, and Jan, this can be so hard for a lot of women to believe that they are absolutely knocked down gorgeous to their husbands, and their husbands just can't get enough of looking at them. You know, I, I tell my own, I already mean, I say, Honey, you are the most beautiful sight I have ever seen. And looking at you, just seeing you, is the greatest privilege that I have. And I, I remember being in a therapist, therapist session once because I does have to have therapy regularly. And I said, look, you can take me to, say, Niagara Falls, the Great Pyramids, the City of Jerusalem, the Mona Lisa, the Taj Mahal, the Sistine Chapel ceiling all these beautiful sights in the world, and they were great sights. I would love to see them, but I would much rather see Ari's body over all of these sights. Jan, that's, that's hard for a lot of women to believe, isn't it? Yes, it is, and I think it's because, again, of <clears throat> the world around us. Mm -hmm. um, everything is, you know, tiny and, and young and no wrinkles and, you know, don't even wear makeup or anything, you know, all of this stuff is being shown to us all the time that makes us mm -hmm. feel inferior. And um, Les has told me many, many, many times that he loves my body and mm -hmm. he wishes I wouldn't be so overly concerned if I don't think I weighed the right amount and all of these things. Mm -hmm. So. In the culture we live in, it, it is very hard to really believe that when your husband tells you that. Mm. Um, but it's also a very big compliment that we should not put aside because he 
is the only person that I really care how he feels when he looks at me. So um, we have to get over some of this competition or whatever you want to call it, you know, that's out there today. You know, less and along those lines, I've often told women, I said, ladies, you have no idea the great powers you have with your husband here, but you can motivate him. You can build him up so much just by trusting him with your body regularly, or you can tear him down greatly by not trusting him. Would you agree with that, Les? Yeah, of course, and and then you you got to add to that. How does that happen? Mm-hmm. Because you know it's so easy to to say in in again today's life, especially as you get older. Look at that young chick over there! Wow, and of course you're going to look. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you that I never look. That's, that's a any guy that tells you they don't look is lying. So. Right. Yeah, you know, but but that doesn't mean that you have to not appreciate your wife and appreciating your wife and and uh, and and all that just really becomes part of the marriage. Again, we've agreed together to be together and to love each other forever, and that means as we get older and as we have children. And as those children get older and as they have problems that I can't fix, that I wish I could, um, you just got to put something aside and say, okay, that's part of marriage. Let's move on. Well, I'd like to remind everyone right now, but you're listening to the Deeper Waters podcast. And everything we do here is listener supported. We depend entirely on the support of listeners like you. If you want to take part of that, Please go to deeperwatersapologetics.com. There's a link there that says help support for work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries. In that section, there's another link, and it takes you to the ministry of Risen Jesus. You've gone to the right place. Those are my in-laws, Mike and Debbie Lacona. And my mother-in-law, Debbie, is a financial guru. So you make your donation. And if you can be a monthly donor, that's even better. And... You get in touch with Mike or Debbie or myself or Ari or any combination and say, hey, I made my donation. I want to go to Nick Peters. I want to go to Deeper Waters. And they will make sure that we get that donation. It will be tax deductible. So, yes, you can write that off for your taxes. You can also go on Amazon and buy some ebooks I've either written or co-written, such as A Creed for the Ages, The Apostles Creed and Today's Christian or Groundless, a look at Dan Barker, or Defining Inerrancy. And then, guys, with Valentine's Day coming up, jewelry is always a big hit with the ladies. Jan, can you tell me about Jewelry's a big hit, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, guys, if you want to get something special for your lady, go drop from our site to Premier Christian Jewelers. And my friend Lena Clester handles that, and... The code word there is love to get in, and you let her or me know about your purchase for Deeper Waters. Whatever you purchase for that special lady in your life, 25% of that purchase goes to us at Deeper Waters. 25%. Now, guys, you really need to be doing this, especially with Valentine's Day coming up. You don't want to be empty-handed on that day. And, you know, 
when you do this, you can uh, make up for that screw-up that you recently did with your wife in the past. Or you can make up in advance that screw-up that I know you're going to make in the future. Now, Les Jan, do you have any organization or charity you'd like to see people donate to? Well, we, uh, we are big uh, in Peru, and actually we had our own mission company. Uh, was some, it was not a nonprofit organization, so we don't look for donations to that mission company. But we became part of Kids Alive. And uh, with an orphanage and a school in Peru, in Manchai, Peru, where we're doing our mission work. And Kids Alive is a, a very, very uh, frugal company that uh, spends 86% of the money that you donate on the kids. Uh, they're very frugal when it comes to administrative. And we visited their corporate office in Valparaiso, Indiana, just to see that that was the case. And so if there's anybody that loves kids and would love to support a child in a foreign country, go to kidsalive.com and, and, uh, and support that organization. Yes. Now let's get back to talking about marriage. And, and one more question here on the topic of the marriage bed, and then we'll move on to everyone's. And this is one you've already answered, but I just went to have repeated. It gets better with age, doesn't it? Yeah, and you can, and we can repeat that and say that very, yeah, very meaningfully because, uh, you know, again, we're we're traveling together now, mm-hmm. and uh, we we got all day to look at each other. What do we do except talking to Nick and about marriage? No, <laughs> I've got some other projects that I'm working on on the computer, uh, but uh, basically the day consists of us spending time together. And, and that is important. It's, uh, and, and I can't explain it. I wish I could. I wish I could say, you know, this is the reason it gets better. Uh, number one, the reason, of course, is our, our Christianity with Christ. He's going to always make it better. He promised that. And, uh, and he does. And so when you have those moments, and we do, uh, still today, after 55 years, we can disagree on something. Uh, but uh, but then we know let's rush off to bed and get a no <laughs> let's, let's 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 uh, you know let's agree to disagree and move on so we can have a happy life and we yeah. do we, well, yeah we have a happy life yeah I think that's just looking forward to the end of this interview now <laughs> yeah 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 one of the things you talk about also is accountability. Now, yeah. one of the stories I like about this year, because I've gone through this very recently with Allie having this nausea that she seems to be getting over. Let's hope it stays that way. And, Jan, you told a story about uh, being dreadfully, dreadfully sick with a flu. And uh, you're wondering, how is my husband going to take care of me? What happened? Well, actually, um, <clears throat> Les has been... He traveled, so some of the big things that I've had, medical things that I've had, he's been out of town. Mm-hmm. And uh, But this one time I had the flu, and it was really, really bad. And um, so the doctor prescribed some medication that made me sick. And so I was vomiting and vomiting and vomiting. And Les had to go out of town the next day, and he called Debbie and said, you come and be with your mom because she's really, really sick, and I hate to leave her like this. And uh, 
that was minor to the time I had my kidney stone and I had pneumonia, but um, he really did look out for me. But when I broke my ankle, <clears throat> he was very attentive and took care of everything to the point where the um, therapist had to say to him, you need to let her do that herself. That's part of her therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's easy, it's easy for a guy to, macho guy that uh, you know, never needs somebody else, and 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 uh, to think that the wife should be the same way. She should just take care of herself no matter what. She always has. When I'm gone, so she should take care of herself and so forth. But uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I turned that age in life too when I had heart problem. And long story short. Uh, it was a major problem, and for two days I was out of it. Uh, they couldn't get my heart beating right. Thought maybe it was gone, but uh, but God chose to keep me around. But but after that, I had I had a stroke also and paralyzed the right side of my body, and so I had to go to therapy and and learn how to use my right hand and my right leg again and so forth. Mm-hmm. But during that therapy, uh, there was one moment that that I was just absolutely at the bottom of my physical life. I've never never felt that before when I was so useless to uh, to everybody and everything. And I, I just, I couldn't understand that. I mean, that just was, wasn't the way I was supposed to be. And, and Jan was there and, and I've told people that I cried like a baby. I don't have emotions, but I cried mm-hmm. like a baby then uh, knowing that she was there for me even when I could not uh, think that I had a reason to live or keep on going, yeah. and so things changed. And we're three years later, as of uh, this last month, and and uh, we're still together and having a good time together. And and uh, you know, she don't like me to say this either, but uh, you know, I've always had the prayer to God that when He takes us, He takes us both together because I can't live without her, yeah. and she can't live without me. And I don't know that that's going to happen, but uh, but we none of us know. So mm-hmm. none of us know what day it's going to be when we are no longer together. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, make that wife of yours, that spouse of yours, a special one in your life. Yep, that's the one that counts. Yep, sounds it's. I think wives just miss many times how much we can treasure doing special things for him. I mean, this past week, two weeks or so, I always have this intense nausea. I've had to get up in the middle of the night, get get medication, get a bottle of water, get anything else. Sometimes it hasn't been what I've wanted to do the most. Absolutely. And she's uh, said, I'm sorry. And I've just looked and I've said, how can you be sorry? It's not like this is your fault. It's not like you're intentionally doing anything. You don't need my for- forgiveness because you got sick with something. And this is my responsibility. But then I can also think that there were been times, like I think within the past month, she woke up in the middle of the night and she was scared silly because she'd had a nightmare. And she woke me up immediately. And I just talked her through it, held on to her, prayed with her. Never complained once. I thought, why, why should I complain? For me, this was a moment of honor because, by golly, my wife is in need and I get to be the man and come here and help her and be the one she can rely on. 
What do you think about that, Jan? Well, I told you before, I think um, your approach to marriage is, is very, very good for such a young man. And uh, the uh, things you say about Allie and the things you say to her uh, really dem- demonstrate the maturity in you that I don't see in a lot of men your age. And um, Allie probably hasn't seen that either. And she is probably very um, amazed and feels not worthy of you doing those things for her. So yep. Yeah. So we've got to uh, again uh, realize that marriage is two, and then when you bring Christ in it, you have three—the one that you can depend on. But when you depend on Him, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Right at the moment, it's not. Mm-hmm. One or the other, or both of you, are suffering because of whatever reason. But there, there is nowhere in the Bible that says that you're not going to suffer. In fact, it's, it says the other way around. You probably are going to suffer. And, and so, therefore, if you believe, then you're going to accept that suffering and make the best of it and move on. If you believe in marriage, you're going to agree that you're going to have troubles at times, but you're going to get through it because your two are going to stay together. Mm-hmm. We're going to stay together. I mean, that's never been, that's not an option. Yeah. You know, I just think, just because they get tough, that I'm going to leave her or she's going to leave me. No, never, never, ever talk. Mm-hmm. We recommend to couples that if they have the times when they think they want to leave the other person, they get some help right away to figure out what it's going to take to stay together because that is always I have never ever known a divorced couple that can come up to me and say you know the best thing that ever happened to us was divorced mm-hmm. you know, you know, and so if that's, if that's the case there must be a reason for finding a way to stay together even though I understand a lot of people get divorced and that's out there, and that's part of society. I'm not still ever going to say it. Well, that's the best thing, because it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you were saying, Jan, about uh, having this wisdom and such. It's it's reminding me of something else when it comes to one of the next things to look at. These marriage moments is that when I worked at Walmart once after I got married, there was a girl who came up to me who worked for me and said, "Nick, you seem like such a wise, spiritual, mature person. I'm going to get your opinion." on something, because I'm having a hard time. How do you learn forgiveness? And I just said immediately, get married. You're going to spend most of your time giving it or receiving it, and I've spent a lot of time receiving it. And eventually, when we were talking about this more and more, I'm just having a hard time forgiving someone. I said, said, okay, what's his name? How did you know? It's always a guy you're having a hard time forgiving. But forgiveness is extremely important. Because, as it said, usually no one ever forgets where they bury that hatchet. What role does forgiveness play? I think forgiveness is absolutely a major role, of course. I think the hardest part of forgiveness is forgetting. Mm-hmm. We yeah. don't forget. We, we can forgive. We learn forgiveness. We know biblically that forgiveness is part of our marriage, a part of life. But 
we don't forget mm-hmm. what took place. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. How do you forget? How do you move on? Yeah. It, uh, if, it, can you forgive your wife or your spouse for cheating on you? Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. But you're probably not going to forget it. Mm-hmm. It's always going to come back to you. Well, is is he or she doing it again? Because here's the circumstances that maybe uh, shows that uh, things are happening in our life right now that's easy for that spouse to cheat on me. Uh, and and I know they did before, so they probably would do it again. Mm-hmm. That's not forgiveness then. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is saying, okay, I forgive you and I'm ready to move on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to forget the circumstances and I'm going to forget the fact that you would do that by forgiving you. Mm-hmm. Jan, there was a mention here a time about you got very, very angry with Les for something that he said. And how you even said, I hate you for doing that. And even then, he was forgiven. How, how do you get past something like that? I still was, you know what he's talking about. Uh, she's asking me if I know the circumstances that she wrote about them. Mm-hmm. And I think I do, but she's probably not remembering it. She forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and has she been that mad at me? Yeah, she has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's not remembering the circumstances right now. I can tell in her her eyes and her shaking. She's shaking her head, going, uh, "I'm not sure what he's talking about." Yeah. And, uh, so, did she forget? Yeah. You know, one part of that is 75 years old. We forget. We forget <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. We forget where our kids are at. You know, that isn't because we didn't forgive them. You know, but uh, but seriously, uh, yes. Those things, I guess maybe that's what makes better after 55 years, is we, we're not going to remember the difficulties we had in our marriage. Mm-hmm. We're remembering the good times we had, and and we've had a lot of good times. Mm-hmm. And so our marriage gets better because we remember the, the good times better than we remember the bad times. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, something I've told people is... Uh, Historically, I think the idea that Jesus was married is absolutely bogus, so I don't give it any credibility, but I've said this. If he was married, Jesus would not have a perfect marriage because he'd be married to a sinful woman. We shouldn't expect ourselves to have perfect marriages either. Yeah, and, and, and perfect perfect means, again, you can, you can throw that word around all day long too, but perfect is... What you make it. Mm-hmm. Happiness is what you make it, and we've we've made our perfect marriage perfect because we've we've cast aside the the things that that made it bad, mm-hmm. and or the, and the things that that caused marriage to be tough. So, what advice can we give people listening to uh, to make their marriage perfect? Uh, one thing is document the perfect times. We have book after book of things that have happened in our life that were perfect. Uh, Traveling, uh, uh, weddings, uh, birth of our children, uh, 
Uh, you know, I can tell you when all those perfect things happened because I have a book that says that. And, and we're not yet at the stage in life that we're reviewing those perfect times every day, but there seems like more and more now than ever we, we find ourselves going back to those books and saying, let's look that up. When did that happen? When did that take place? When did we buy that house, that new house? When did we, when did we uh, take that vacation with the family that was so perfect? When did we go with that couple somewhere and have such a good time, you know? And because there are a lot of perfect times out there in life. Mm -hmm. And so have that available and make sure that, uh, make sure you and your spouse can remember the fun things, the perfect things that happen in your life. Mm. Yeah. Um, we're looking also at the, what's coming up here, faith, family, and future. And I'd like to tie us into, we've talked about two of the three things couples fight about most. Sex and money have always been covered. One of the third things they fight about most is in-laws. So with family, what role do in-laws play in the marriage? Now you hit a hot button. She's going to talk the rest of the time now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> she loved my father, but uh, my mother and I, mother and her didn't get along as well. Mm -hmm. So whenever we uh, would um, want to fight about something about my mother, I would always say, but you, yeah, but you love my father. That's the reason you married me. Mm -hmm. Actually, what he told me was, uh, that's just my mother and you have to put up with it. Um, the advice that I would give any husband out there and also any, any woman is um, to stand up for your marriage mm -hmm. and to... Um, I don't know if protect is the word um, for your spouse, even mm -hmm. if the in-laws are criticizing them. Mm -hmm. I would come home in tears sometimes because of some of the things that his mother would say to me. And the only thing he would do is say, uh, that's my mother. You just have to live with it. And... Um, our son, Jeff, <clears throat> um, is very quick to tell people that Crystal is his wife and you best not do anything to make her unhappy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really look up to him for that because I think that's the way it should be. Yep. And one time... Um, Crystal was losing weight, and she was losing a lot of weight, and I just casually said to Debbie, you know, I just hope Crystal's not losing too much weight. Well, Debbie said that in front of them at some place that they were, and Jeff came to me and told me that his wife was perfect the way that she was and that he best not hear me say anything against her again. <laughs> and I... You know, like I say, I respected him for that mm -hmm. because I think if more couples would do that, um, there would be less problems with in-laws. 
Yeah, there was a time I remember when my, my own mother said something. I'm sure it was said in anger, but it was very wrong to say, and it was at our house right there. And as soon as she said it, I turned to her immediately and said, like, Mother, that is my wife there. I love you, but you are not going to speak about her that way around here. And mm -hmm. I think most people know who, who are friends with me on Facebook, they know the rule. If you dare go and insult Allie and you hurt her on Facebook, you stay out of a... You, everyone else just stays out of a way because I will see it and I will go crazy on them and I have no mercy when that happens. And she even had a friend of the military who did this once and he later on said, your husband scares me. And I said, and I thought to myself, good, I want you to be scared of me because I want you to be so scared that you will never dare cross alley again. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And back to what Jan's talking about is uh, yeah, she's 100% right. I was, I was wrong at that time, but I really, I really thought at that time, uh, young and, and foolish and all that stuff that Mm -hmm. uh, don't make a big deal out of what my mother said. What came across wrong, and and rightfully so, it looked like I was defending her, and I wasn't really defending her, but I was also taking her side when I shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you got to think through and talk through and look at what you're saying, mm -hmm. because it's right back to we and I and me, and your words can be so cut, cutting, and and the things that you do can be so cutting to your spouse that you need to uh, you need to really totally reevaluate what you do and what you say. Mm -hmm. Listen to yourself, and sometimes you're gonna you're gonna find yourself um, in wrong. You're mm -hmm. you're just wrong. That's all there's to it. Uh, the other thing about that is that I think couples need to be careful what they say to their parents mm -hmm. or family members, whether it's a sister, brother, whatever. There's always going to be times when the two of you are in an argument. And if you go and tell your family about that, you and your wife will already have made up, but they don't forget that. Right. And they hold that against you. So not only does do you, do you need to make sure the parents aren't, um, bad-mouthing your spouse, you also need to be careful what you're telling them that could create problems mm. later. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, something else you have to realize is that uh, we don't really need to bring the in-laws into the marriage entirely. I think we should still respect our parents and our spouses' parents. You know, I've I have great respect for my in-laws. I get along well with my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. I, I have even gone to a Braves game together when we go out on apologetics trips together and such. But at the same time, I know that my primary family unit still is my own wife. And every other relationship has to come secondary. I mean, I, I think it was a big shock for my mother, especially when she saw how much this was, that when I first took Allie to meet them, and we were leaving, my mother wanted her usual goodbye hug and such. And I said, sure, hold on. Got Allie in the car first, gave her a hug and kiss. Then came back 
in, in Tokyo, my mother. And for me, that was a simple action. It's what she do. I think it was just shocking to my mother that here it is that now her son has a new primary woman in his life. And that's a major change, and it has to be that change. Yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. It just heard in a sermon Sunday, and it just it covers all of this. Mm-hmm. And that is to reprimand, always reprimand in private and praise in front of everybody. Oh, yes. And, and, and that's whether you're talking about marriage or you're talking about your kids or whether you're talking about at work or whether you're talking about your religion. Mm-hmm. You just you can't tear down in public things that you expect people to um, take as your way of life. If you if you, whatever you tear down in public, you're tearing down that thing to everybody, and everybody is saying, "Well, they they probably will tear me down too when I turn my face." Mm-hmm. And and but praise is also the other thing. You got to. You got to praise your children. You got to praise your wife, and the best time to do that is in front of other people, mm-hmm. not just not just at the candlelight dinner, but at at uh, dinner when you're there with with all the friends and company around. You know. Yep. Something that uh, someone asked me not to know and go was because if you've seen my Facebook page, I know Jan has seen this a number of times. I post something except for on Sundays when I don't post on Facebook. I post something praising Audi every day and I post an image from a marriage ministry every day to show love for her. and I remember someone asking me say do you really think this is a good idea I mean maybe you're being too public your relationship maybe you're sharing things that shouldn't be shared I said look I'm not sharing any intimate details of my marriage whatsoever you do not hear what goes on in our bedroom for instance but I'll tell you something that should be public entirely is that I have love for my spouse, a great love. And I put this up to encourage others to let Allie know how much I love her and to motivate myself because if I'm pouring this stuff out in public, I'd better be living it in private. Yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but that, and that goes right back to a lot of the things that we've talked about, and that's uh, the wording and the, and the timing of things when mm-hmm. you do them. Yeah, it's so important that you do uh, these things. Uh, but you, uh, we enjoyed marriage moments more than the couples that were there mm-hmm. because they give us an opportunity to review our marriage. Right. And they were they they thought they were putting us on the spot when on the time all the time you're not putting us on the spot, Nick. We're putting you on the spot. Right. We're, uh, people that are listening to this are being put on the spot, right. and uh, and at the same time, we're sitting here looking at each other, and you can't see it on voice. Uh, this isn't video, thank goodness. But uh, you know, we're sitting here looking at each other. Okay, how am I going to answer this? You know, what am I going to say? What does mm-hmm. Nick want me to say? Yeah, and and it makes us think about our marriage, and and even after fifty five years. Can we review it and make it better? You bet we can. Mm-hmm. You yeah. bet we can. Marriage yeah. can be made better every day of the week. Yeah. So work at it. Yeah, video isn't going up, but I, I haven't been able to see them. Yes, they are doing this. And after 55 years, 
Are you also still learning new things about each other regularly? Learning things uh, new always. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it just you just think you know your spouse better mm-hmm. than anything and everything, and still something new is going to come up. Mm-hmm. The, this Valentine's Day is going to be uh, one of those days mm-hmm. when Jan's going to look at me and she's going to say, really? You're really doing that for me. I can't believe that. <laughs> she's going to be so surprised. And she's looking at me right now going, what is he talking about? Yeah, um, I'm sure you all remember Rada. It was last year, Rada. The year before last, actually. But last year we lived in Tennessee that Allie, when her birthday came, she was thinking I hadn't been able to do anything for her because of money. I think Jan, I think, is starting to smile because I think she remembers this. And I take her to the church office at the mall then, say, hey, you can go shopping with a friend at least, okay? And she'd been depressed all day, and she gets there, and I had a surprise birthday party waiting for her. You all were there too, weren't you? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure were. Mm-hmm. You bet. And and surprises like that can happen. And uh, mm-hmm. and and I'm going to tell you a real quick one because it has to do with marriage. Yeah. Because Jan, Jan could never surprise me. Mm-hmm. She never could surprise me with Christmas gifts or birthday gifts or. You know, I always kind of knew what I wanted, and she knew what I wanted, so that's what she'd give me. Right. Uh, so we're, uh, we're we're going out. To, my son come up to me, and he, he helped put this together with her. Come up to me and says, "You know what? Let's take the girls out to dinner for Valentine's Day." And uh, and I said, "Well, yeah, okay, we'll do that." Well, let's get the whole family together. Okay, let's do that. Well, let's 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 make this real special. Let's write rent tuxedos and I'm going oh come on Mike let's let's not get carried away now no let's do it. let's just make this special okay so uh, Jan says well I've got to go to the church and and do communion so I'm gonna I need, I need to go over to the church early and do that Mike you pick up dad and bring him over to the church and it's okay well, that made sense to me you know so we did that so we're going over to the church in our tuxedos and and uh, little did I know or even put together until we walked into the church, starting to walk up the stairs, and Mike says to me, give me your wedding ring. And I said, what do you want my wedding ring for? He says, take off your ring and give it to me. Okay, so I did. I give it to him, and as we turned the corner going up the stairs, here's Jan all ready to review our marriage vows. And she had the family there and tuxedos and gowns and had the preacher there and church and everything else. And I had never had any idea that she had put that together. Mm -hmm. But it was a very special moment that we could review, uh, renew our marriage vows in front of our family at that time. Mm -hmm. And it was was special. So I would encourage every and every listener here to Think about your marriage and what you can do to surprise the spouse mm-hmm. and to make it special for the spouse. I don't care if it's Valentine's Day, if it's a birthday, if it's Christmas, if it's wedding anniversary, what it is, or if it's just one of those times that you decide that you're going to take her roses mm-hmm. and she didn't. They, yeah. just, they just can't 
can't get over the fact that you do things like that for them mm-hmm. and vice versa. Both spouses should do it both directions. Mm-hmm. Well, Jan, do you have anything quickly you'd like to add to that? Well, that was a pretty special day because, like you said, I could never, ever surprise him for anything. Um, but I had bought him a new wedding ring, and I didn't want to just hand it to him. So the kids and I came up with that idea, and it was a lot of fun to do. <clears throat> um but I do think in, in trying to keep something fresh and new in your marriage, you should try to do special things for one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let your spouse know that you are still the most important person in your world. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, I, I can safely say, listening to this, it's leaving me thinking, I need to start planning even more special things for Allie. And if she ever gets to listen to this, she's going to be saying, Oh, gosh, he already does too much as it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never do too much. Yeah. Well, guys, we've uh, had a great time, and we did manage to fill two hours in, but time needs to come to a close now. Do you have a, a blog, an email, way people get in touch with you if they want to find out more and get the marriage advice? Yeah, We don't actually have a blog because we never thought we were that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Uh, but we're always open to talk to any couple, uh, any uh, people thinking about getting married, uh, are married, will wish they weren't married, uh, to email us. Uh, and we can keep completely private if you want to email L, my first name is Les, L Greeby, it's the last name, G R E B E, at advantage, like take advantage of me. TN for Tennessee.com. Mm-hmm. L Greeby at AdvantageTN.com. Anything you'd like to email us, uh, we'd be more than happy to respond in private. If you want to call us, area code 865 719 3629, we'd be more than happy to talk to you. If you need uh, marriage help, uh, just call us and say help and and uh, we can maybe find some way of, uh, uh, you know, guiding you to the proper help. But reach out. Uh, marriage is uh, very important. Marriage is absolutely the best thing that ever happened to you. Uh, keep it that way. You can. It does work. Uh, we just, uh, we thought we were married a long time at 65. We just, uh, I mean, at 55 years, and we just uh, left a guy that, uh, just lost his wife of uh, 72 years mm-hmm. and uh, just unreal to hear him talk about his wife uh, and so forth. So we look forward to uh, uh, this. Nick, thank you a lot for uh, letting us do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we feel privileged. Yeah, do you all have any final thoughts you'd like to share? No, not really. Um we have really enjoyed being a part of Nick and Allie's life, and we hope that we will continue to be. And um, we just uh, thank them for their friendship, and we just know that they think that marriage is as important as we do. And uh, it's a real, it's a real thrill for us to see them work through it. Yeah. And there just won't be anybody that talks to us that we're going to say, okay, we think the best thing for you is not to be married. 
So yeah. if, uh, if you're thinking that's the answer, we're not going to have the answer for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I mentioned to you, our old, oldest son got divorced, but I never did think that, that was the best thing that happened to him either. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though at the time that was the way that it came down. So work at it and uh, make marriage uh, uh, very important and uh, it will be important when you make it that way. Well, Jan, I'd like to make sure you know what you just said, that we still consider you our point parents, as it were. <laughs> thank you very much. We appreciate that. All right, so thank you all for coming on. Hopefully we'll see you back here again sometime. We will be in Atlanta soon, I'm sure. Well, I'd like to remind everyone that next week we're going to have Peter Lightheart on. He's going to be talking about his book, Defending Constantine. For now, I'm Nick Peters, and I'm signing off.